God suffers violence, and the violent bear it away. Good night. No, <laughs> no it's good to see you all here. Thanks for uh, coming out. And uh, all those listening on the podcast, welcome to you as well. And all of you uh, watching there on the stream. You know, some people have mentioned that the stream the last week kind of cut out or stopped working. So if uh, you're watching this right now and it's not working, let us know. All right. It's not, oh, you really, it's not working? Yeah. Dang. Um, thanks. <laughs> Things could be funny and true. Um, what are we doing next? Oh, you know what? It's very hot in here. Yeah. Sorry. I apologize. Um, the boiler room's locked. That just seems like it's some kind of, I don't know, metaphor for something, but I don't know what. Um, but no, it actually is, so I can't turn the heat down is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Yeah, announcements. Oh, announcements. Yes. Uh, Helena, did you have a joke you wanted to share? No. No. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. It was optional. Uh, yeah. We have a lot of fun coming up this month, um, fun and uh, meaningful events ahead for the month of October. Next week, please join us after the service for kind of a maker day. Um, we're a creative community. I love working with the youngsters because we get to experience some of that creativity on a regular basis. Today we are making uh, sheep in the youngstest, youngest class, if anyone wants to join in sheep making. But if you want to make something a little more sophisticated, perhaps a giftable, yeah. purchasable at a gift market yeah. sometime in the Christmas season. That's right. Uh, please join us after the service next Sunday. I understand there'll be some pewter work, um, mm -hmm. some textiles, some color, mm -hmm. uh, stamping opportunities to get involved with those activities and help our community remain sort of financially solvent. Always a goal. Yeah, raising some money. This is all going to, this is, we're making things for our, uh, we're having a, I guess we're calling it a uh, anti-capitalist church bazaar, right? Bazaar. And as part of our whole uh, month of December, we're going to, it's uh, our anti-capitalist Christmas campaign. So, uh, yeah, we were at, um, we were at Target today. Yeah. We already had Christmas stuff out. Yeah. So we so, got to get on it. Yeah. Anti-capitalist Christmas campaign. It's going to be very communist. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I know that worries you sometimes when I go communist, but I can't help it. Um, 
Or I think that's probably it. No, no. no. Oh, no. Well, there's more. The, the, but yeah. wait, there's more. Okay. Uh, two weeks from now. Two weeks. Two weeks. It will be the Sunday of the dead. An opportunity for us to remember uh, folks we've lost within the past year or remember losing within the past year. Uh, meaningful service during our regular church time and uh, nothing like pivoting to a completely different crazy activity. Hatchback Halloween. Yep, the, right after uh, church. After church in the parking lot. Yeah. Bring your best hatchbacks, costumes, dogs encouraged. Yeah. Dog costumes encouraged, I think. Is that like you would wear a costume of a dog or do you, there's the costume where the dog wears the costume? Yes. Okay, all right. Yes. I think that is it then. Well. No? (laughs) It's not just for us, Russell. Oh, that's right. Anyone can come to Hatchback Halloween as long as they do not call it trunk or treat. No, we don't do that. That's not like us. That's off brand. Uh Uh-uh. But if you have someone who might like to come to Hatchback Halloween, we have way too many postcards in the back on the kiosk. Yeah, you take one of those, you, you invite somebody, mail it to them, Hatchback Halloween. Yeah, no trunk or treat. No. no none of our uh, Subaru Foresters have trunks anyway. Yeah. Okay, now is that it? I, I think that's it. Okay. <laughs> this is the House of Mercy. And welcome to it. God will be hear your cry. Are you afraid? Are you unsaved? Are you afraid to die? Are you afraid to Are you afraid to die? Are you afraid? Are you unsaved? Are you afraid to die? 
Won't you please join me in the prayer of invocation? God of mercy, make resurrection real for us. Banish our fears, convince us of our freedom. When we doubt, when we do not believe, always come to us. Come to us and be with us now. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you all. Let's share the sign of peace with one another. We're your guest artists. Haven't we talked about how Lutheran we are in our upbringing with no that? No <laughs> Children and Jesus. those who conquered death forever. <laughs> That's it. Children singing off key and that. <laughs> um, more that way. Uh, so, uh, I have no idea what the message in the sermon will be today, but I did read the scripture for it. And it, and it, uh, it's, it's like a tricky one. So many of them are, but this is like, this one you notice. And uh, it brought to mind a thing that I've noticed before. And I didn't read the context around it, so I don't know if there's any Pharisees involved in this particular story, but there seem to be often. And I've noticed as I read the Gospels that Jesus seems to more or less only get uh, perturbed with Pharisees who, if you describe their job, doesn't per se sound like a bad thing on the surface, but they took this thing and seem to have uh, mistaken like titles for the meaning. Um, and a professor in college that used to like to say, like the Buddhists say, uh, when you point your finger at the moon, be careful not to mistake your finger for the moon. And you know, it seems like these Pharisees took that and ignored it to the extreme, right? Um, and so, because it seems like Jesus always just got upset with these Pharisees, I like sort of look at my own life and the world around me and think like, I think we have to become careful to not be pharisaical. But I mean that in regards to like anything. Like, uh, like we mix up the like if we have the title, then we have the meaning and everything is justified. And it's like, no, that's worse than not having the title or the meaning kind of a thing, right? So there's a message about, with all that in mind, there's a reference to a wedding banquet in the scripture and it made me think about this song that I wrote once upon a time that was, um, I guess, pointing out the difference between like having a title and living like you mean the thing the title's supposed to be there for. Uh, and Green and I are going to sing that song.
Oh, and also I wanted to mention, I'm right at that point in like it's starting to get colder, so the seasonal allergies are starting to dial back. So instead of not having a voice intermittently, I got that extra country twang. <laughs> so you've hit the, tw the country twang lottery with my voice today. <laughs> Congratulations. I don't give a damn about ex-lovers Spare me all the details of your past So you were once promised to another Promises are lies if they don't last can you expect me to be strong when I hear each day you can't move on it's not my place to teach you right from wrong maybe it's just time I move along I don't give a damn about a title A man is made a husband by his deeds Ceremonies are too often idols And voices can take vows nobody means Can you expect me to be strong when I hear each day you can't move on it's not my place to teach you right from wrong maybe it's just time I move along like to say when we perform that song that we're available to perform that at weddings <laughs> anytime anytime <laughs> um, so again back to the scripture for today it had me thinking about um, having the title or wearing the costume of something doesn't 
doesn't mean you get what it's about. And so I guess this song, we couldn't remember if we've ever played this song here before. I think a long time, like Maybe, years ago. like, yeah. Yeah, um, like in 2018. Right, maybe, yeah. Um, but this is a bit more about sort of being honest about not knowing what your title is or what your outfit is and trying to figure it out in the midst of that.
Won't you please join me in the prayers of community? I'll end each prayer with God in your mercy, and I invite you to respond to hear our prayer. God of mercy, we pray for Palestinian lives, Israeli lives, Pakistani and Indian, Iraqi, American lives, Christian, Muslim, Jewish lives, all lives. Lord, save them from the violence of the powerful and bring us to confess the violence in which we participate. Pray for people who have no power to end the violence or protect even their own children. Bring them some measure of peace and safety for those who do not have the power to end the violence, lead them, for those who do have the power to end the violence, lead them to act immediately. Give them the words and the compassion, whatever they need. Your resurrection is our hope. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, we struggle make ourselves a blessing and to be blessed. We fight and we squirm and we try. We strive and we struggle. Convince us to relax, lay back, love and understand your unfathomable regard for us, that we are your people and you are our God, and your love and your mercy are without end. God, in your mercy, God of mercy, we confess that we cannot free ourselves, that we are lost and cannot find our way alone. We have hurt people in our lives by our actions and our failures to act. We have not loved you with all that we are. We are confident that you judge us with your grace. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, we pray for the sick, and the dying, for those who mourn the death of someone they love. We pray for the victims of violence. We pray for those struggling with mental illness. We pray for the incarcerated and those who are prisoners to addiction. We ask for freedom, release, healing, and peace. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, meet us now in this extended time of silence.
to Canaan's land I'm on my way where the soul never dies My darkest night will turn to day Where the soul never dies No sad farewells No tear-dimmed Spend eternity where the soul never dies. No sad farewells, no tear dimmed eyes. Where all is love, and the soul never dies. A love light beams across the foam where the soul never dies. It shines to light the shores of home where the soul never dies. No sad farewells, no tear dimmed eyes. Where all soul never dies my life will end in deathless sleep where the soul never dies and everlasting joys I rape where the soul never dies no sad farewells no tears Dimmed eyes Where all Is love And the soul Never dies I'm on my way To that fair land Where the soul Never dies Where there will be No parting hand And the soul Never dies no sad farewells, no tear dimmed eyes, where all is love and the soul never dies. Today's scriptures from Matthew 22 verses 1 through 14. Once more Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. 
The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they had found, both good and bad, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe and said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The word of the Lord. I've never met a preacher who likes to preach on this text. Or I should say, I've never met a preacher with any semblance of good theology that likes to preach on this text. Um, the ones who do like to preach on it, you got to watch out for. I warned you that things were going to get ugly during these waning weeks of the church year with all these seemingly supersessionist parables of Matthew. Like last week, Jesus is still in the temple in Jerusalem, engaged in a little back and forth with the Pharisees and the other Jewish religious leaders. And they're trying to get Jesus to say something criminal or heretical, you know, something that they can charge him with. They want him to say something that they, he can, they can report to the Romans or something to get him arrested and shut him up. But uh, as much as they're trying to trick Jesus, Jesus is responding to them with this series of these parables. And these, these parables are, well, the parable is telling them, it's apparent that the point of all of them is that God is going to take away the covenant from Israel because of how faithless they've been and give it to the Gentiles. And if that isn't problematic enough, God is going to do it violently, very violently. And as much as no pastor with any good theology wants to preach on this problematic text, and I appreciate you trying to help me out, Michael, um, what, what I really do not want to preach on this particular text this Sunday after this heartbreaking, this gutting week of slaughter and retaliatory violence between Israel and Hamas. I mean, this certainly won't be the first time that I strive with hope and confidence in the mercy to find an interpretation of the text that undoes the standard, common interpretation of it. But this week, this is especially my task. So let me just uh, put the old man in the chair first before I kick it out from under him. Let's look at the problem. The problem's the king. The king is the problem here. The plain meaning of this parable is that it's another parable about the kingdom of heaven. And kingdom of heaven, Jesus tells this parable to these religious leaders. Well, like if you recall last week, what the parable was about, that... Uh, Jesus, or that the landowner sent his son out to check on his uh, vineyards and uh, the, all the landowners murdered them. 
eventually it gets down to where the landowner, God, um, comes and murders all the, all the other people and takes, takes away the rights and gives it to someone else. And so the, it ends, last week's text ends with the Pharisees saying, it says that the Pharisees were beginning to realize he was talking about them. And Jesus, he can't help but, uh, you know, put his thumb in their eye a little bit. And just in case they weren't 100% sure that Jesus was talking about them, he tells them this parable today. He says that the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a, a king who gives a wedding banquet for his son. So like we just read, he sends out his slaves, which is problematic, to invite all his guests and say, look, it's ready. The wedding banquet's ready. Bring all, he invite, bring, come to the wedding. And uh, the guests who are invited, they don't want to go. They don't care. They laugh it off. They go back and they tell the king they didn't want to come. And he says, go ask him again. This time they murder the messengers who are inviting them to, to this wedding. So now when the king hears about this, he orders his troops to go out and kill everyone who wouldn't come and burn down their cities. So this enraged king, he sends out his troops uh, to destroy and murder the murderers, I guess, and to burn the city. And then this blood-soaked king, covered with the soot of burning cities and citizens, sends more servants out and says, go into the cities and just invite as many people as you can. Whoever you see, invite them to come in and share in this wedding banquet. They all come, surprised to be invited, probably never been into uh, the king's uh, palace before. And so uh, the king comes in to take a look at all these replacement guests. You know, he, he, he's going around shaking hands, feeling really good about himself that he brought all these people in. But then he noticed that one of the guests has failed to put on a wedding tunic, a wedding robe. And that same rage that got this king enraged before starts to, starts to work on him again. He's saying to this man, who let you in here without that robe on? And this man says nothing. Now, in the text, the translation says that uh, he was unable to speak or whatever it is. But really, the, a better translation is that um, he did not respond, or he chose not to respond. And that, that was it. That really set the king off. And he told his guards to bind this man hand and foot and throw him out into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We love that weeping and gnashing of teeth, don't we, folks? Yeah, here's the problem with the standard reading. It's pretty obvious, right? This text equates the king with God. And from there, it's just a foregone conclusion that God is a violent, vindictive deity who will murder, burn, condemn to eternal suffering anyone who does not do what he wants them to do, not obey his commands. 
I mean, let's just, we can just say it here. This is not a God we can believe in. This is not a God we can believe in. This is not our God. And we are not the people of this violent, vindictive God. The king in the parable cannot be God. This standard reading cannot be correct. We see here, this king is not God. This king has more in common with, um, well, like, I guess kings, you know, like sadistic, fascistic leaders, like uh, our former president, like, like Putin, and so many other smaller, small despots. I mean, come on, the original guest won't come to his son's banquet, so he murders them all and burns their cities down, and then brings in a whole new batch of guests to love him and admire him? Doesn't that seem something more like a Trump or a Putin would do than, uh, yeah, the creator who speaks love and mercy and beauty into existence? So at the end of the parable about the kingdom of heaven, we're left with an image of the king's chosen guests slaughtered in the streets of their, and their cities on fire while the king stands over this terrified replacement guest who they've all just witnessed his, him command his soldiers to bind this man who stands there not responding to the vitriol of the king and he's thrown out into the outer darkness where he will suffer. Is it time to cut the cake yet? This is a parable about the kingdom of heaven. How can there be bodies murdered on the streets of heaven? How can the cities of heaven be burned to the ground? Earlier in his gospel, Matthew writes that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, suffers violence, and the violent bear it away. And this is important that we understand this. Matthew's Jesus is telling us that the kingdom of God is not unaffected by violence. The kingdom of God does not have some uh, invisible barrier that you know, keeps out all the bad people and lets in only the good ones. No, the kingdom of God can suffer, can be hurt. God can be hurt by this violence. God can be hurt by the violence of God's own creation. This is where we find God in this parable. The one who stands silent, not responding to the threatening king. The one who is bound hand and foot and thrown into the outer darkness. That is our God, the God of mercy, the God who does not respond to violence with violence, who does not retaliate when the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, when the kingdom of heaven appears to be swept away and the retaliatory violence is all that seems to be left. In the same way that this guest stands silent before this king in the parable, we see later Jesus standing silent before Pilate 
who condemns him to suffering and to death with all the power of the Roman Empire. God does not respond to violence with violence, but responds with reconciliation, mercy, redemption. God restores the kingdom of heaven, repairs the kingdom of God for all of, God, all of God's people, and in doing so makes it possible for us to respond likewise with love. God has given people the power to act with a powerful mercy, to have the strength not to respond to violence with violence, but to respond with love and to repair the suffering that our violence have created. That body, bound, beaten, bloodied, out in that darkness is beginning to stir. I invite you all to join me at this banquet. Let's go.